Welcome to the Developer Deep Dive series, brought to you by Middletech and sponsored by the Awesome Inc. Developer Bootcamp. Throughout this series, we'll be getting an inside look at the technology that powers the most innovative companies in this region as our host, Justin Hall, interviews the people behind the code, the developers. This is a series to highlight the people that are coding the companies of tomorrow and show the next generation of developers that opportunities await in their own backyard. Thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome to the Middle Tech Podcast. I'm Justin Hall and I'm the lead instructor for the Web Developer Bootcamp at Awesome Inc. and your host for the Developer Deep Dive series. Today we have Chris Gleim on the show. Chris is a co-founder and chief development officer of Go Wild and he's a Louisville, Kentucky native and he's here today to talk a little bit of a deep dive on our tech stack uh, what he feels are topics that are relevant in today's discussion for developers within Kentucky. So uh, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Justin. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when I first start this, we kind of get to know each other. We kind of have to claim kin, right? <laughs> All right. So how do we know each other? Yeah, actually. So I think Evan had reached out to Brad. So Brad Luttrell is the CEO and one of the four co-founders of Go Wild to come on the podcast and kind of talk about the platform a little bit. And Brad is not a technical person. Brad's more marketing and he's a, a designer uh, kind of from trade and in marketing. So he was like, hey, I have no idea what any of this is about. Uh, let's get Chris to talk on the podcast. And I've hosted <laughs> or I've uh, joined several of his podcasts. So comfortable being on the mic somewhat as much as a developer can be. Uh, <laughs> And really, I think the one of the big ties in is just being a business in Kentucky. So you did mention I'm a Louisville native. I, I've lived in Louisville now for about 15 years, um, originally from Owensboro, Kentucky. So out west, but I've lived in Kentucky my whole life and all about business in Kentucky and keeping business and uh, keeping people from leaving Kentucky to go get jobs in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. <laughs> and specifically your business. And it, and it's really interesting because being in Kentucky, you have a lot of these opportunities for fishing, hunting, uh, camping, you know, the outdoor life, uh, from all the way to the Eastern part where I'm from all the way out to the Western part. And so it's really interesting, um, to see this, this product as a, as a social network. And, and mm -hmm. so, I, I actually downloaded it. I've been looking at it. It's pretty cool. A couple of times we go down to Cave Run and put in the, at the lake and, mm -hmm. and do a little pontoon, you know, um, fishing. Awesome. And so, so it's so like now I'm like, oh, I'm all over this. I'm going to have the <laughs> app. I'll know, you know, when I run out of gas in my boat, who to SOS, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. And <laughs> it's 
so GoWild is a social media platform for hunting and fishing in the outdoors. And we're kind of, we branched recently into e-commerce as well. So selling gear, gear is so tied into the outdoor experience, like what boat you're on and what life vest you use. And when you're hunting, what rifle you use and ammo and the camo you use that we've really seen a lot of growth on that e-com side. Um, and just to kind of go back, uh, we do have an iOS app and an Android app. I'm by trade, I'm an iOS developer. So we originally launched the app, uh, on iOS in September, 2017, uh, just with iOS. So launched with iOS and then we kind of farmed out, found some developers to help us on Android and really started nights and weekends. Let's grow this thing. And I think I started full time. June of 2018, left my old position as director of software development at another company um, and came over full time to go wild. But yeah, there's a huge opportunity in the outdoor space just to get people sharing their content and talking about hunting and fishing in responsible ways that we hadn't really seen done well. Um, There are other outdoor platforms for hunting and fishing, but we always kind of say the technology and hunting and fishing in the outdoors is five to 10 years behind. And really, I think it's just typically what happens when a company like go wild starts is somebody's really passionate about hunting and they love it. And they find some third party to work with that can just develop the app. Maybe they're in Kentucky, maybe they're remote or foreign in another country and you get a decent platform, but it never really iterates and grows over time. So we care a lot about let's get developers that are full-time working for us that are building a platform and make sure it's a good, a really good user experience and, and user design. Interesting. I like that approach. So your why behind the app is more like what, what problem you're trying to solve. Yeah. The, the original concept of Go Wild was Brad. So I'm not a hunter from a young age. Like I, growing up in Owensboro, I was around hunting. And I had friends that hunted deer mainly, and I would get some of the deer jerky and deer sausage, (laughs) and I loved it, but I had never hunted. Um, I loved to hike and have hiked with my dad, really, since I was a little kid. But Brad had hunted a deer in, like, mid-2016, I believe, and shared it on Instagram. And it wasn't a, a gory deer photo or anything. It was just a picture of him kind of sitting by the deer and talking about how he'd cooked it for his family. And he shared it on Instagram. I think it almost immediately got hidden as sensitive content. And somebody that he knew well that he was friends with at work said, oh, basically, you think you're a big man for killing this deer and kind of like what someone who doesn't hunt kind of what their mindset is on hunting. Oh, Mm. I I think I'm awesome. So I'm going to go out and shoot this animal, which is not Mm. at all what it's about. Um, So he had the concept of let's build out a platform where people who understand hunting and fishing and that it's not about just killing an animal. It's about more like respecting the animal and finally getting an animal that hasn't been farmed and has lived a good life. Make sure you take a good shot on it and practice and take its life in a responsible way and cook it for your family and don't, don't have any waste really focus on that aspect of it. So your social media site uh, promotes that. Yeah, we really promote hunting and fishing and talking about the preparation of the meat and a lot of what you're going to see on Go Wild. You do see people posting their hunts, but you'll also see people posting recipes. Hey, I I got this turkey and I made turkey pastrami on my grill and here's how long I grilled it and how I sliced it and the sandwich I put it on. Really getting into detail on 
the the full experience of hunting and fishing yeah and and not just the kill yeah so so you you have you're an advocate for eat what you kill and um harvesting is probably the better term i think it's out there Yep. Yeah. yeah, we use harvest throughout the platform and try and we don't talk too much about killing, but yeah, harvest logs for fish and for uh, for hunting. And I mean, we have a lot of other outdoors content. So we've got boating and we've got uh, I think we even have scuba diving at this point. It's really all about just your time outside and logging that in the platform and talking about it. And you can even log like the podcast that you listen to for hmm. uh, for outdoors because when you when you get into the lifestyle of hunting and fishing it's not so much about like oh in november i'm going to go out and get a deer you might go like i've been doing crossfit to get more fit to go and make sure that i'm not going to run out of breath when i go out in the field that kind of thing and it, it really is a 365 experience even if you only hunt for a week out of the year you might spend a lot of work just preparing your firearm or your, your fishing rods, or we've got people tying, uh, flies to go fly fishing and all of that kind of goes back into the full experience. Right. So you've got this, uh, approach that if you're going to do this and be on this platform, uh, you're going to be on it, uh, eight days a week, 25 hours a day kind of thing, <laughs> that kind of yeah. commitment. Yeah, basically it's more just making sure the full story gets told and that you can have a place to ask questions and kind of find mentorship. And that's where it's come for me. I've gotten into turkey hunting since founding Go Wild and Brad, our CEO, has kind of served as my mentor in turkey hunting. But <laughs> my my dad didn't hunt and I didn't have anybody to go to to ask those questions. And a lot of that I can just ask on the Go Wild platform, hey, I don't know how to attach this turkey choke to my shotgun. Can somebody walk me through that? Right. Um, I don't know how to dress a bird once I've got it. And people are very open about answering those questions and making sure you get resources that you right. need to, to be able to get into it. Let's talk a little bit about the tech side of that. Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of interesting when you see this um, uh, amount of content that you're pushing out and how you're tracking it and how users use it, um, that you know, it's interesting to say, okay, what kind of tech is sitting behind this? Right. And so if you don't mind, could you talk a little bit about your tech stack and how you came to that tech stack and then what you're actually doing to move it forward? Yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of the, the first version of Go Wild was really, so there's four co-founders of Go Wild. There's Brad, our CEO, Donovan Sears is our chief design officer. So Donovan is one of the best designers, in my opinion, that I've ever worked with. Um, and then Zach Grimes is our data scientist and our now our president of the company. He had a background in data science and still works in data science for GoWild, but does a lot of president activities as well. And then myself and the initial version of the app, I am a mobile developer really through and through, but I was like, I'm going to try and build a backend to get something going and see what we can do. So I basically researched what's a language that I can figure out pretty quickly and build a quick backend architecture and figured out some basic PHP. So our backend APIs are all PHP, a basic LAMP stack. So we've got Linux and Apache servers and uh, MySQL database. I'd worked in MySQL quite a bit through my time uh, previously at Coca-Cola and PHP. So first version of the app was all on my terrible backend that I kind of cobbled together in PHP 
thankfully, since then, we've hired uh, multiple backend developers that have taken that responsibility out of my hands because I'm not, I've never claimed right. to be good at it. Um, but yeah, so a LAMP stack hosted on AWS. So we really rely a lot on Amazon for our backend architecture. We use RDS servers for our uh, servers, basically to to host all the API code, and we're now use or I should say EC2 servers for that, and we use RDS for the database on Amazon. So really, and we kind of backed into using Amazon mainly through there's Amazon is really great at having good resources for startups to get started for free. So in development, we obviously we didn't have to pay anything until we really went live. And then through the AWS Activate program, we've been able to get a lot of credits just to keep us going without having to pay uh, arm and a leg to keep to host all of our stuff. So being on the AWS platform, uh, you're deploying MySQL, PHP updates, uh, and you're able to do that pretty well with the platform. It sounds like you got started because they offered free services Mm-hmm. In order to get that traction that you need to build the, you know, sounds like a lean MVP of your product that you then grew. So how did you use AWS to grow that after the first, after you sent out your first version one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really started with, and and like I said, we started this nights and weekends before we all came full time. At this point, we have 12 full time employees and an office and everything, but Started nights and weekends with about $500 that we had cobbled together for if we need to pay for some hosting or anything, we'll, we'll use this money. Um, and some relatives and family helping invest in the company. Now we're, we're venture backed, so we've got a decent amount of venture capital behind the company. Um, but AWS makes the scaling pretty simple. So we started with very small EC2 instances because it's Maybe I had 20 APIs that I was running there, and we had one single server that pointed to two different uh, MySQL databases, both hosted on that same server. And since then, we've kind of built things out. So we have several different uh, Amazon servers, one purely for data science. So we do have, like, if you think of Facebook and Twitter and TikTok, all the big social platforms have an algorithm that drives the content. We have our own algorithm that kind of predicts, and this was built by Zach, our data scientist, that it's hosted on EC2. It's all R code, so written Mm -hmm. in R R language, which I Mm -hmm. haven't done any R, but um, he basically ingests the recent post that people have posted on GoWild and predicts how popular those posts are going to be based on an algorithm he's built out. Interesting. So we have, yeah, so we have a data science machine. We have a production server, actually a few now. Um, and uh, QA server as well, just to test on. And it's been pretty seamless outside of my initial let's learn how to do backend development uh, <laughs> Crash stumbles. Course. Yeah. yeah. We launched the app, like I said, in September 2017. And pretty shortly after that, I had to restart the server for something. I was still working full-time somewhere else. Restarted the server, and I had hard-coded the iOS app to look for a specific IP address instead of going through any any kind of routing and the server changed ip addresses when i restarted it and at that right point on. we had yeah at that point we had a few thousand people that used the platform but suddenly it just didn't work anymore so yeah. i took the day off said i was sick and went home and figured out how to how to do all that routing that's that's awesome i think every developer has had a moment like that you know where mm-hmm. it's been 
oh, did I just delete the entire database on <laughs> yes. production? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or did I just push code up and QA it and test it and didn't find that one missing comma? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Most recently, I guess you can kind of point to uh, there was an email that was sent out oh, uh, yeah. from HBO. Uh, I got it and I replied back. I said, I said, dude, whatever they're telling you, don't worry about it. Everything will be fine. Of course, I don't <laughs> think it went to him, uh, to the person that was involved with that. But uh, we've all had that moment. Yeah. And I think they even said that was an intern that accidentally sent that email. Oh. Um, I, my biggest moment like that as a developer was when I worked for Coca-Cola Enterprises uh, a few jobs before Go Wild, and I was doing sales software for Belgium and Luxembourg and the Netherlands for Coca-Cola. Wow. And I was testing ordering the ordering process in what I thought was development, but I was actually <laughs> pointed to production. And like a week later, I got a phone call from my boss, and he said, there's a truck full of 200 cases of Coke at a grocery in Belgium and they have no idea where the order came from, but it has your name attached to it. <laughs> I oh. had to, fe- I, yeah, I had to fess up that that was my test. Uh, thankfully the grocery owner was happy and was like, well, I'll sell it eventually and just paid for all the Coke. So, Oh wow. I, I, yeah, I drove some sales. It didn't end up That's being cool. too bad for me. So what was your uh, journey like starting uh, as someone who's like a tech enthusiast and how did you move through that to get to where you are today? Yeah, so I went to the University of Louisville to the Speed School of Engineering here in Louisville um, and graduated and went to Coca-Cola Enterprises and really got into iPad development pretty quickly there. I wrote an iPad application used for the Olympics in 2012 uh, for the Olympic sales and got to go over to London for the 2012 Olympics. And that really is what got me into iOS development from just not really knowing exactly what I wanted to do in the development realm. Um, From there, ended up joining a startup that was building sales software for Pepsi. So kind of jumped ship from Coke, went over and worked on some (laughs) Pepsi software. And through that, worked my way up into from just developing to managing developers and managing a team. Um, Eventually ended up directing at a company here in Louisville called Vitastat that does Uh, medical software for nursing homes and places where nurses are distributing out medication. And there I wasn't doing any coding. I was really just directing a team of about eight developers. Mm -hmm. And as a developer at heart, I really was just dying to code. (laughs) So my nights and weekends, I was doing some coding and ended up writing an iOS app for uh, an agency here in Louisville called Uology. That is actually where Brad, our CEO, was the creative director at Uology. And that's mm. kind of how I met the, the other co-founders of Go Wild um, and kind of worked my way over here. And the four of us kind of all came together to start the company. Very interesting. So you all met. You had some synergy. You started this. You, you took what you knew previously and realized, hey, I need another element of my, you know, I need another tool in the tool belt. And you went out and you learned that on your own. Right. Uh, And then so then you got to this MVP stage and you've launched and now it's kind of grown. What do you see as some of the things in front of you as a company that would be more like a technical challenge um, rather than a marketing or any of the other types of challenges you face in a business? What would be a technical challenge you're up against right now? I think some of the technical challenge is going to be continuing to scale the company. Um, AWS has made that pretty simple for us, but we're not doing a lot of load balancing, for example. So 
there's issues where maybe we have a big spike of traffic because we've sent out a big push notification and we need to make sure that that load doesn't get too high. So there's going to be some load balancing that needs to be done. Um, we still continue to have issues around because we're a social platform that's really reliant on sharing images and sharing content, making sure those images load really fast. So working on CDN, uh, stuff to make sure that images are served really fast, no matter where you are. Um, we're primarily in the United States, but we do have users overseas. We've got, I just got a thumb drive in the mail from a guy in Scotland. That's a big fan of the platform the other day that sent me a video he had made about go wild and oh wow, uh, yeah, just making sure that that, that the platform works really well, no matter where you are, just even if you're not in Kentucky is yeah. still, uh, we've improved on it steadily, but that's going to continue to be a challenge as we grow. Um, I think another big challenge for me personally is the the entire platform on iOS is still written in Objective-C because that's what I knew when we built out the platform and I was building it at night and wanted to work on what I already knew. Swift was relatively new at that time. Mm -hmm. So transitioning over to Swift and Swift UI as we grow, I think is going to be pretty important, especially to find new developers to help on iOS. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm the primary iOS developer and really the only one touching the code. So eventually, as we hire more mobile developers, moving the code over to a more uh, desirable coding environment, I think will be important. Yeah, um, that sounds great. Uh, we've got another segment here that I, mm -hmm. I call Tech Topics. Okay. And, it, and it's kind of like, um, I'm going to throw out a term, and what you can do is kind of define it based on okay. your involvement and understanding. Okay. Um, feel free to say, you know, pass <laughs> or whatever okay. when you get the one um okay. but you can reply in like you know 144 characters or less which is okay um and so i want to go a couple, through a couple of these and kind of get get your response okay sounds okay good. cool all right the first one devops devops is i hesitate to define devops because there's certain structures that i feel like get built around development that I've tried to avoid. I was really heavy into DevOps at my previous job at Vitastat. And it had broken when I started directing. And this is outside of the realm of a, a tweet, obviously. This is no, a tweet go thread. ahead. Yeah, go this ahead. is a tweet thread. But when I started at Vitastat, the previous director had said, I came in and she was like, there's a whole operation side of the company. And there are people doing support that are over here. And they are not to talk to you. And I said, what do you mean? And they had had so many issues in the past of there's an issue that a nursing home called and was having a problem. And instead of just walking down the hall and talking to a developer, they, the developers were annoyed by being interrupted and had said, <laughs> hey, we, we've set up a process. Now you submit a ticket and you don't talk to us. And that got to the point where it was like, don't make eye contact with the developers. Oh, and, and it had broken down so much. We had to we built out game game lunches where we would bring in people from other teams and make sure everybody knew each other. And I think, again, I didn't define DevOps, but I think trying to break apart development from the operation side of the company sometimes is good. And sometimes yeah. it can be done so hard that it ends up creating communication barriers. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, next topic, agile development. Agile. So I've almost always worked in more of what I would call waterfall environment. Like we know all the priorities we've, we've gone through the major issues and prioritize things. 
Go Wild is pretty agile in that we do the traditional things. We have a, two stand-ups a week. We have uh, a regular release schedule. We're in one-week sprints right now. So agile, I think of as a way of organizing your team to where everybody's on the same page and you can move really fast when there's a big issue. That's good. You mentioned something earlier, and this topic uh, relates to that. Local talent. Mm-hmm. Local talent is hard to find. And it's, it, I feel like in Louisville specifically, it kind of depends on what you're looking for. Um, there's not a lot of mobile software development talent in, in Louisville. And I've, I've worked a little bit to try and make that better. I don't know if you're familiar with Code Louisville. Yep. Um, but they're, so they're a free kind of boot camp course that you can take. And I mentored iOS development a few cohorts for Code Louisville to try and help people learn iOS development. But we've where GoWeld has kind of ended up is that our version of local talent is hire local if we can. And if we can't hire the best talent that we can, that's mm. as close to our time zone as possible. Um, COVID has kind of changed that a little bit and that everybody was remote for a full year. Yeah. And yeah. it does it right now. It doesn't really matter that much where you are, but it it does help, I think, to have face to face time with developers working together, developers and designers, I feel like it's yeah. even more important working close to each other. As, as a kind of like a, uh, you know, if we were to do a post game on how COVID affected teams, mm-hmm. uh, especially distributed teams and those that I think what everybody's coming away with is FaceTime is really, really important. Yes. There, there's not the, like you mentioned, hey, no one talks to dev, no one talks to the ops. Uh, that that time is kind of come and gone, I think, and people have realized, you know, maybe the off uh, the distributed team and off campus or off premise works for some, but I think everybody can agree that you know, not seeing somebody through a Zoom window or a meetup or something like that is better when you when you you know you can see them face to face, eye to eye. Yeah, totally. And even we have a few remote developers, our backend developers. Uh, one is in Missouri in Springfield and another lives in Kentucky, but is about to move to Virginia. And to kind of keep that team feeling of everybody, we do a yearly retreat where we go away for a week or uh, right. three or four days. I'll go to a cabin somewhere. Uh, we obviously didn't do one in 2020, but the year before we went to the Ozarks in Missouri and f- just went fly fishing, learned from a, a fly fisherman how to, to cast and cool. then spent the rest of the time doing kind of outside of our regular sprint process. Let's plan out the roadmap for the next year as a team. So uh, I'm, I'm just uh, curious on your mm-hmm. um, on your retreats. Did you use that? Oh, yeah, we totally use the app. So cool. we use the app to log the fish that we got and our, our kayaking time. Uh, we were kind of out in the middle of nowhere in the, the Ozarks. So there were some connectivity issues. Uh, we actually held a release because we were like, wait, the entire company is going to be out of internet access for a week. So we shouldn't do a big release right before we leave. That's interesting. Um, so I got a couple more topics and we'll move on to another segment. Um, so local talent, but then local workforce development, that's a term that I'm throwing out there because you had kind of a tie in to some of the things you're doing in code Louisville. So local workforce development. Yeah, local workforce development is a thing that's really important to me as far as making sure that talent in Louisville, especially because of my tie to the speed school here at UofL, making sure that I've gone in. I've done a few things with with students at UofL where I go and just give them 
example development interviews and make sure they're ready to go through the interview process and reaching out. I've got a lunch next week with somebody who's looking to intern with us and making sure that I think as it's hard for me to look at myself and think of how far I've come in my career to this point. But if someone that was a, in a, a C role at a company met with me when I was in school, that would have meant a lot to me. Mm. And to me, I'm like, I'm nobody. It doesn't matter if you meet with <laughs> me, but I, I think it's good to make yourself available to local resources that are newer into development and make sure right. that they're, they know kind of where I've come from as well. That's really interesting. I like that approach. It's, that's a high, high touch approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're right. I would have liked the same thing too. When I was going through, uh, this was BG before Google. So, you know, I learned how to code and do all that. It, I would have liked to have had somebody come along. We're kind of doing that now with Awesome Inc. with yeah. the uh, Web Developer Boot Camp to kind of help grow the local workforce development. And, you know, with devs like you that care about the same thing, uh, it's good to know that that's, you know, uh, being moved in Louisville as well as Lexington and other parts of the state. Yeah, that's awesome. One thing we say a lot is that Silicon Valley solves Silicon Valley's problems. That comes up a lot as a saying around Go Wild because no one in San Francisco is going to build out a hunting and fishing app. It's just not going to happen. And we have local talent that really cares about this stuff and that are very talented developers and communicators that it's we have, we actually have koozies for go well, that say silicone hauler on them. Cause we're, yeah. like, we're in silicone hauler and we can build out a, a massive company in Kentucky and there's nothing to stop us from doing that's, that. That's exactly right. You can, it's like the, uh, the Minecraft test, right? You can go in the middle of nowhere, get your stick and start to build and become this big thing. Yeah. Um, so another term, and then we'll go to something else. And that's because you've mentioned Brad a couple of times, mm-hmm. Uh, as a tech entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So that's the term. So tech entrepreneur, to me, because I've been exposed to several different types of tech entrepreneurs, and I consider all four co-founders obviously are big tech entrepreneurs, so are many of our employees. Um, I think it's not always being a developer who is also an entrepreneur. It is wanting to build out uh, software as and even i guess hardware but specifically in my case building out software that people are going to want to use Mm. um and like brad is not super technical but he gets in and tests the the platform and and texts me issues all the time and is putting in support tickets and going through the sprint process as well and it's i don't know that i have a good definition of a tech entrepreneur just because i think it can really be anybody that wants to get into business around software development. Great. Yes. Um, what, what do you think that the local community, local development community uh, does well right now? Or what, and what are some things that you think are pain points that they could improve on? Yeah, I think Code Louisville is a really good resource to get people excited about software development. Um, a lot of what Code Louisville does is someone that maybe they had a career that they had already gone into that there were people that worked in the restaurant industry that were learning software development and stay-at-home moms that were learning about software development. So giving a resource to people to build that skill that have kind of transitioned into development. Um, Several of our developers, we just hired a new web developer who's great, and his background was as a lobster fisherman. (laughs) He was the lobster fisherman, and he got into development because he didn't want to lobster fish anymore. And we have 
one of our backend developers was a uh, science teacher in high school and mm. transitioned over to software development. So I think I don't know where I started the, the answer to this question, but I think anybody can really get into it. And it is not difficult to learn how to do good yeah. software. So we see this a lot in the boot camp. We have people that have experience or domain expertise in a certain field. And then when they go through the boot camp and learn these skills and understand, oh, I could I could actually make the software that I've been using in my previous domain expertise level, I could make it better. Or yes. there's something that I can do to improve on it. Or, you know, now that they have that knowledge, the scope of knowledge that's grown and they have these superpowers, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you could do uh, anything. Um, yeah, once and, you once you realize that every developer Googles every problem that they have, <laughs> it's like, I don't feel like I know that much. I just know how to find solutions to problems that I haven't run into before. Yeah, um, yeah. And I've seen true. that transition. I mean, my wife is the same. She, My wife doesn't develop, but she works for Salesforce.com now. And when I met her in college, she didn't own, I think she had a CD player that took batteries, but she was <laughs> not a technical person at all. And just over time has gotten into software and marketing, email marketing, and just learned how to solve problems in ways where she comes to me and we get out a whiteboard and whiteboard out architecture problems for, for companies that Salesforce is working with. And it's nice. It's just cool to see that process for anybody can get in and learn. All I really need to know is how to whiteboard out a problem and figure it out. And no, yeah. no, no problem is unsolvable if you just dive in far enough. And, and so in the boot camp, we call that pseudocode, mm -hmm. you know, where you're trying to think in uh, without having to solve the problem. You put the hat on first of, well, let's think about through the process and how this works and get a whiteboard and, and have a discussion. And then there's the, okay, now I've solved that problem. You've moved over into your code, into like a sandbox even, just for right. exploratory. Uh, would you say you do that even still today? Oh, yeah, totally, 100%. It's... I sit at a big table right across from Donovan, who is our uh, UI and UX designer. And we every day we have a big whiteboard next to us. He'll show me a design for a thing. And I say, okay, I can do 90% of that. Here's the reason I can't make this connection for whatever architecture reason and design out with him and pseudocode how a thing should work. And I think to me, one thing that's really important as a developer is working closely with the designer of the software. So it's, it's a, I feel like go wild. If you were to get on the, the iOS platform and see some of the stuff that you're like, Oh, this looks really good. This guy must really know what he's doing. I just know how to take, how to communicate with Donovan and take his dream and make it a reality through the software. And, and that is a, uh, a, a skill that you don't find very common for a developer to be able to, you know, take in this information and disseminate it and be able to put out, Oh, here's, here's the, the house that was in your head, we've built it. <laughs> right. It's It can be easy to kind of abstract things away to where it's like, the problem is X, I need to do Y to solve that problem versus keeping some creativity alive. Because everybody, yeah. there's creative solutions and you've got to think about how someone expects a thing to work before you build it. That's great. So, you know, uh, we, we talk a little bit about local, um, mm -hmm. you know, there's what, 50 some miles between Louisville and Lexington. Mm -hmm. um, but yet there's still there seems to be like a lot uh, of a distance further apart in a way from the tech scene. 
Um, and even so in Eastern Kentucky and even probably so in Western, like there's enough space to be separate in a way. Yeah. What, what can we do better uh, to kind of bridge those gaps? Um, we brought up things like hackathons, code labs like Code Louisville. Uh, we definitely have um, uh, the uh, startup weekend uh, that I think, you know, is pretty heavy in both Louisville and Lexington. Yeah. Um, how do you think we could make that better? Um, I think a big part of it ends up coming down to hiring and making sure that, and, and Goal is probably somewhat guilty of this too. We're looking for people primarily in Louisville. And then if we can't find anybody, then we've interviewed people in Lexington that we haven't hired anybody yet, but we'll find developers in Lexington and an interview with them. And um, I think making, somehow making that connection of, we need to hire someone that's in Kentucky, not necessarily in the city that I'm in, but that is close enough to maybe they come into the office once a week and make a drive. Yeah. But we can have remote workers that are also in the same state and we face all the same kind of problems of being Kentuckians. Yeah. Um, but making sure that as a company that we're looking within Kentucky and not just within our own city. Yeah. So, so how uh, convenient would it be if you had someone that had domain expertise, let's say they were a hunter, uh, fisherman, whatever. Um, and that person decided to walk in your door and say, Hey, I just learned how to code. Could I work for you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would love that. And yeah. we've, we definitely have people that reach out to us that say, Hey, I'm just now getting into coding and I'm a big, I just, I fish in this fishing tournament and I'd love to talk to you. And we definitely, I try to do as many of those meetings as I can, yeah. if, if not to hire, then to make connections with them and help them make other connections to find a position yeah. somewhere. So if they could run a trout line and parse a JSON file, you'd <laughs> yeah, be like, yeah. hey. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap up. It's been a great okay. discussion. I got one question left. Okay. Okay, so I love this analogy of this hero starting off on their path with a destination unknown. Okay, and having the insight to stop an experienced hero on their way back from their destination and asking the question, what question should I ask you before I begin? Mm -hmm. So let's pretend our listeners are starting off on their path and you are the hero returning. Any wisdom you want to impart, what question should they be asking? So one of our, kind of one of my mentors, he was the owner of my previous company that ended up investing in Go Wild. Um, one thing that he always says is when the pioneers wanted to go West, they didn't pick a destination and draw out their entire path and make sure, Hey, at this interchange, I need to go North. And at this other one, I need to go South. They just, the ones that got there first started going West mm -hmm. and they figured it out as they went. And that's, to me, that's what I would tell that person is you may think, you know, where you're going, but just keep going that direction and be open to changes as they come along. Cause I didn't know this was my career where my career would lead. I'm very happy now. Who knows where it'll go after go Welt or in the future and just be open to changes as they come along. If you think it's going to make you happy to work on a different thing or to go in a different direction, just go ahead and go for it. And hmm. to me, that's the most important thing. So, um, Sort of like build, measure, learn, but also fail, fail fast, uh, and fail mm -hmm. forward. Yeah, um, fail fast and be open to starting to fail again. 
Yeah, that's true. So true. Well, Chris, thank you for your time and insight. Uh, we appreciate your contributions to the tech community. We hope you've you. continued success. Uh, this looks like a great product. I'm, I've got it downloaded, uh, so I'm, I'm ready for my next fishing and uh, lake journey. Which is awesome. Be I'll be awesome. I'll be watching for you to post in the platform. Awesome. That's cool. Thanks so much for having me. I really yeah. appreciate it. Middle Tech listeners, thank you for your time, and please leave us your feedback. We are going to continue this discussion and have guests on, like Chris, in the next few episodes. We hope you take part in the discussion with us and continue to listen as we learn more and dive deeper into similar topics that we discussed today. I'm Justin Hall, lead instructor of Awesome Inc.'s Web Developer Bootcamp and Middle Tech supporter. See you in a bit.